Welcome to All the Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. Happy Saturday, everyone. Happy Saturday. Oh, I don't know if y'all can hear that, but we got the music again. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Okay. Well, there it is. Hopefully, it's okay on uh, everyone else's end. Should I listen to it, the stream? No, we're good. We're good? We're good? Okay. All right. All well, right. welcome to All the Things, the show where we talk about all things related to God, life, and the Bible. I am Monique oh, Dusan. All right. Uh, Bob's fixing it. All right. I'm Krista Bontrager, also known as a Theology Mom, and we are excited to continue the conversation. We are exhausted. Let's be honest, people. <laughs> We are excited, <laughs> but if we gonna keep it real, they already talking about it in the chat. Okay, they keeping it real for us. Yes, and helping us on the show tonight, at tonight, every night, almost every day, every <laughs> see, day, sees multiple times a day is Bob Bontrager. Yes, all right, repping Western Christian here in Southern California. Woohoo! Yes, all right, and this show is brought to you by the Center for Biblical Unity. Theology Mom Podcast and Family, Family 210. 210 Clothing Shop. So you can buy a shirt. Yes. Tell oh them about my the gosh. Shirt. So the teenage Bondrager is really good with art and all things artistry. And she designed a shirt for the Center for Biblical Unity. So this is our shirt. One race, one people, one savior. And it is being sold right now um, on the Center for Biblical Unity site. Just yeah. type in Center for Biblical Unity backslash conference yep. because it was sold today at our conference. Yeah, we did a conference today with yes. our friends over at Mama Bear Apologetics. People so, are like, wait, what conference? Yeah, so this is sort of the afterglow of that. So you can still pick up the conference t-shirt uh, there at the Center for Biblical backslash conference. Yes, it, and all the proceeds come to the Center for Biblical Unity. Yeah. So support us. Yeah, so the profits of $5 a shirt go yeah. directly to us. And um, we should probably talk about what it means. One race, which is the human race. The human race. Yes. And one, one people, yes. which is the people of God. Yes. And one savior. Yes. We're not trusting in governments or anything else to save us. No. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. He pays attention. He's there. Yes. 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 Thank so, you for that. Go get the shirts. Yes. Um, and join share us. the show. Yeah. Please share the show. I'm That's just... a, another great way to um, support the show. Like, share, follow, help our analytics. Give the thumbs up. Hit the subscribe um, button on YouTube. Be sure to hit that notification bell so you'll know when we post new content. And share the show. Did you know that our show last week got like 50 shares? Yes, it was kind of crazy. It was seen by like two Normally we're like so people. excited. We got three shares. Yeah, like, oh, here we go, here we go. We're doing big things. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, big thanks to our friend Edwin Ramirez for coming on the show last week. And uh, there was just a, a really great conversation that we had with Edwin uh, about his journey out of CRT. Monique showed, uh, talked a little bit about her journey out of critical race theory. Uh, so go, go check that out. It's all available on podcasts across the, the um, platforms also on YouTube and Facebook, but then, Oh my, 
That was only the beginning of the week. That was last Saturday Last night. week was crazy. It was so nuts. So then Sunday, we spent most of the day with Elisa Childers. Now, see, that was so much fun. And I'm not saying that the other things that happened in the week weren't fun, but it was a lot of fun. We spent like four hours yeah. just kind of shooting the breeze. Yeah. I mean, we were kind of doing an interview, but in reality, we were just kind of shooting the breeze. It was really good. Oh, Dr. Thaddeus Williams checking in over on the Facebook stream at Boom Center for Biblical, Center for Biblical yes, yes. He's coming on the show in a couple weeks. Yes. So, yes, yes. Yes. All right. Um, so we filmed, you filmed the Elisa Childers interview on Sunday afternoon. Then on Tuesday, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday. It, yeah. Yes. It, so go catch that replay. It came out Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh my word. Then things like kind of exploded. So, so two weeks ago, Monique had 39 likes on the center for biblical unity, Facebook page. And then we had had the page up for six months. And I thought I was doing so well. I didn't realize, like, I thought that, you know, I have 39 likes. That means people know that it's here and yeah, that's fine. You know, it'll grow over time and I'll do my little thing. So then she goes on the Elisa Childers podcast and all of a sudden we were literally like, we couldn't, we had thousands of engagements. It was, it was crazy. And then, um, Thursday or Friday, Natasha Crane reduced, uh, produced a blog post. Yeah, she does. Christian mom thoughts. It's yeah. a blog. Yeah. That is an excellent post. It is amazing. Go check it out. Um, oh, wow. Wrong, wrong analytics. Right. <laughs> That's all right. We got the, uh, Christian, do you have the Natasha's thing? Um, it's okay if you no, don't. All right. So go check out Natasha Crane's blog post. In fact, it went so viral it crashed her whole website for yes. a couple of days. Yeah. But at the end of the blog post, she mentioned Monique. And so then we saw the whole thing all over again, like people liking the page, liking the page, interacting with our content. I'm so glad you're here. And then she made a couple more posts about you specifically. Yes. And I, I was like, what? It. I know. Yeah. Then last night. Yes. Nancy Piercy. Who gave me a shout out on, on Twitter. Twitter? Yeah, and so that was just—it's been a crazy week. So now you know what, though. To me, yes, it's been a crazy week, y'all. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. When I say that we tired, we are like we need one of those good old like you go to church and then you come home and you. But eat we and said you that sleep. last week. On yeah. The show. No, no, I would. That was I was mistaken. <laughs> now I need like some good, just good after church food with like a side of cornbread, so I can take me a nap. <laughs> Like with some with some like iced tea, what do you call some that, sweet uh, tea. Yes, and then you go and you take type a nap. Of cornbread that you, you like. Hot water cornbread. Hot water cornbread. Yes, I, that's what I need. I need I need to take a nap, like a serious like um like you know I think of I think I think like an Elijah nap, like when the Lord said go ahead and take that was Elijah right? Yeah. Yeah, he said go ahead and take a nap, and then you wake up and you have a snack. That's the kind of nap I need. A nap where you wake up hungry. Like you had oh, to work out. But yes, I did. Uncle Virgil right there in the chat. Yes, he oh, is. Oh, my. Yes, he is. Mr. Virgil Walker. Yes, back he is. For more. How mm-hmm. do we, uh, we got to get uh, Uncle Virgil on the show. That yes, is yes. Fantastic. I just, you know, um, yes, two days of sleep. This is what I need. <laughs> um, and you, but here in, in reality, if anybody is, is wondering, like, should I be obedient? Oh, Justin, Justin says we need barbecue. Yes. Yes, I need some bar- a barbecue and a nap. 
Yes. But back to what I'm saying. If you ever wonder if I should be obedient, let me tell you that sometimes it really pays to be obedient. Like, I feel like your obedience and staying in a conversation with me over, you know, two years has really paid off because I am now, I'm not where I used to be. I don't hold a CRT anymore. Um, I, I definitely am not in the same place with God that I was in and things like that. And then me, I was just like, I ain't talking, I ain't never, ever talking about leaving critical race theory. I'm never going to tell nobody that I didn't turn in my woke card. (laughs) I am not going to go against the tribe. The devil is a lie. Even if just, you know, I just got to prop it up for people to think that I'm still a certain way. And when God started to deal with me and was like, no, like you stand for the body, you stand with me. And you trust that I do or that I'm I'm going to do what I need you to do or I'm going to have you. He got my back. That's what I'm trying to say. And he has your back when you're obedient. It's, I'm not trying to say it's easy. And I'm not trying to say that you won't need a nap and a snack. <laughs> but um, but I'm telling you, obedience is really worth it. So if God has told you to do something, go out there and, and be obedient in what he's told you to do, even if that means that you have to go against the tribal narrative. It It is hard because I think there's so many uh, pressures right now in the culture. We spent three hours today with the uh, um, the parents for, that are connected to Mama Bear Apologetics. Mm-hmm. We had a hundred of them on Zoom and we did three hours of presentations and Q&A on critical race theory, trying to help these parents um, keep their kids from falling into this trap have practical conversations with their older kids, just how to orient themselves to what is happening in the culture. Now you and I have been in this discussion for a while. And I think that one of the goods that's coming about as a result of this cultural moment is we don't have to convince anybody now that race conversations are important or that CRT is a threat to the gospel. Mm -hmm. Like people's attention has been raised. And so we're, it's, it's nice now that, you know, videos that we posted that had 39 views before all of this now have hundreds of views and yes. where people are engaging with our content more. And we already have all of those resources in place. And yeah, because remember when I, I used to be like, we can't make no more videos. <laughs> yes, that that literally was my response. She was like, well, when we make the next video, the next video. <laughs> We can't make no more videos, folks. <laughs> Who's going to be watching all these videos? I don't know. I just had the sense the Lord was going to do something. And now every day someone writes in and it's like, you know, I just saw your video on race. Because <laughs> that's what all the videos are about. <laughs> Our and children call this yeah. the race show. Yeah. And it it just, <laughs> yeah, it, it was for a reason. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We got a new background. What do you think? Are we getting ready for third grade school pictures? Are we, we got this for the mama bear apologetics thing. Uh, so you can tell us what you think of our new background. Uh, which if you, if you miss the wooden background, we could put it back up, but this is our new background. I feel like we should be posing. No, stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> Let me stop. I'm telling you. So um, we've been getting a lot of messages this week. So we thought we would put together kind of a theme that we saw emerging in a lot of the discussions today at the Mama Bear Apologetics event and coming into our inbox was relationships. There was a lot of themes about relationships. How do I talk to various people 
that I'm connected with? How do I be a stand for the gospel with my kids, with my friends, coworkers, people who know Christ, people who don't know Christ? So we kind of have, have gathered up some themes of those questions, and we'll look forward to your engagement in the chat. So be sure to go join us in the chat. On YouTube is the easiest place to engage with us. Facebook is a little more clunky, but uh, we try to get over there. We are too. watching the Center for Biblical Unity Facebook and the Theology Mom Facebook page. So. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy. Yeah. Glad to see you checking in from Chicago. Jeremy was with us today on the call. Jeremy, I hope you had a nap. I'm just saying. Now, Uncle Virgil Walker is saying everyone has to be an apologist in this area. We can't just have a few of us responding biblically. Boy, can we get an amen on that? Mm -hmm. We need some organ music or something there because that is so true. Because literally overnight now, all of us are needing to have these conversations with with our kids and people that we know. And people are struggling. Like if there's two things you guys have to know, there's two things you have to do. One of them is educate yourself. You can't rely on us for everything. Like those of you who are writing to us and you're like, well, how do I do this? Or how do I say this? Or how do I have this conversation? Like you're going to have to take the time to educate yourself. Listen to our podcasts. Um, Go back in on our YouTube channel and listen to things. Go find the Just Thinking podcast. Go go look at Neil Shenvey's website. Go follow him on Twitter if you're in that world. Yeah, Um, our guest last week, Edwin Edwin Ramirez. Ramirez. Yes. Find these voices. Go watch Vody Bauckham. You're going to need to be interacting with these voices that are saying, we're going to take our stand. Mm -hmm. We're going to pray and stand right here. And this is what we're doing. We're going to stand for historic Christianity, but we need you guys to stand with us. We can't do all the standing. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. I need to sit down. I need a nap. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to have to take the time to educate yourself. The second thing you absolutely must do is hear from the Holy Spirit about your situation. All of these situations have so many variables. We can't speak into mm-hmm. that. We don't know what you should tell your pastor about X, Y, Z. Because we are not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, like on on some level, yes, you educate yourself and you should. You should be educating yourself, finding out what's happening in culture, exegete the culture, figure it like begin to to read, begin to get on some of the, the blog sites and follow people who are holding to a historic Christian worldview and get in a conversation with Holy Spirit. Lord, what what should I say to my pastor who is telling me that I need to we- read white fragility or who's telling me that I need to divest of my whiteness or repent of my whiteness? Um, you know, like that. those are conversations that, you know, I might say something and be like, well, maybe you should do this or you should do that. But the Lord, he's the one who directs your steps. He's the one who gives you those answers specifically. So Uncle Virgil is saying um, he's had more than 1,500 inbox messages in the last three days. There's so many questions. He can't get to them all. It's on YouTube, Bob. Mm -hmm. Um, So he can't even get to them all. It's a tremendous blessing, but it's also a challenge. And it, it absolutely is. I mean, we hear you, Virgil. And Virgil is one half. Of the Just Thinking podcast. Yeah, we got and, Uncle Daryl over there. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, some following. Famous uh, Warrior of Grace says, I've started following all the biblically woke Christians now. 
biblically woke. Maybe that could be something. Wow. Uh, Monique's been calling it double woke. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It, it, yes. It, yeah. it is a lot. I, I will agree. It is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to, you know, I went to, um, I have braids. And so I literally like cleared my, my inbox from Facebook and I went, I reached over to put my hair up in a ponytail. And when I popped my head up, I had 24 messages. <laughs> I said, the devil is a lie. We going to sleep tonight. Yes. But that that's it. And on one hand, my heart breaks yeah. because people are writing in and telling us of their pain, the way they've been um, damaged by critical race theory, not understanding what it was. You, you know, we hear the stories or we, we read the stories of people saying, wow, this is what happened. I didn't know what it was, but now I have a complete, you I know, words, description. I have yeah. words for it. Yeah. And, you know, or there are questions about, you know, my church is involved with this. My child is involved with this. Yeah. How do I handle this? And so. Yeah. And, um, but there was a great it, message we got this week along those lines where somebody said they did exactly what we're telling people to, to do. The two steps is she says, when I saw people starting to fall into this, I started binging on your teachings, listening to the just thinking, listening to mm-hmm. Elisa Childers. She equipped herself and then she went and had a conversation with her pastor. And she, because she was equipped and she knew the common responses and how to address the questions when her, her pastor wanted the church to go through the book, white fragility. And she was able to help change his mind about that. That's awesome. And yeah. we're like, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And, and just don't get ahead of the Holy spirit. Like, you know, if, if the Holy Spirit tells you to speak, then speak. And if he tells you in a situation, be quiet, then be quiet for a while. Be slow to speak. Um, but we, we don't, we want to stay in step with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in that situation. But also don't be discouraged just because somebody gets offended doesn't mean you haven't planted a seed and, and God can use that truth that's been planted in their soul to bring about something. You don't know what that kingdom outcome is going to be when you stand for truth. So don't make being, um, as long as I don't offend people, then I've succeeded. That can't be your measure of success. That can't be the ruler that says, ah, I did good today. You've got to figure out how you're going to keep in step with the spirit and have some courage to speak out on something if he tells you to and be ready and equipped and and do your homework at the same time. So that's our, that's our big picture advice. Those two things, educate yourself and follow the, the obedience of the Holy spirit. I know we're not at the comments time yet. That's okay. We can but, look at um, it. Oh, Whitney my goodness. says, I've been following the social justice movement for three years. I have always been thankful for the Just Thinking podcast. I'm so glad to see a better, more balanced podcast by women to share with, to, to share with people, too. Yes. Yeah. So over on um, YouTube, um, I remember we were doing a show several months ago, and some, one of the commenters on YouTube said, I've never heard of critical race theory. It's not where I live. Uh-huh. I don't know if you remember that uh-huh, comment. I do. I do. And she, 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 the commenter was like, it's not where I live. And, and now it's like, I'm thinking, I wonder what that commenter thinks now. <laughs> it's mm. living out on your on your news. But there's so many good things. Uh, Donna uh, in Wyoming says, yes, CRT is so prevalent. White fragility is being recommended over and over. Um, many people saying thanks. Thank you so much for your kind yeah. words and, and your your support. Yeah, all the comments that have been so gracious and so um, encouraging. Oh, this f- awesome. famous 
Warrior of Graces, she was in CRT for two years mm-hmm. and ha- I assume has uh, come out of it. She said she heard of it through through me. That's awesome. Jeremy says, uh, you may be exhausted, but you're an answer to my prayers. Oh, that's very oh. sweet. Jeremy was on our the Zoom call today with the Mama Bear apolog- Apologetics. I think Alicia was there, too, mm-hmm. um, on the call. Great. Uh, and Jesse was there. Uncle Virgil. All right. You can. I, I just can't wait till we get him on the show. Yes. Uh, our friend Cynthia, if you haven't yet, I know many of you are joining us that are new to our podcast. Go check out Cynthia Hampton's interview that we did. One of our first shows. Uh, she's a former Jehovah's Witness and does wonderful ministry helping Jehovah's Witnesses uh, come out of that paradigm. Go check out that interview. Um, I had a long talk with my pastor this week about CRT. He wasn't aware of it. Good for you, Cynthia. Way to take a stand for, for, for the truth. Um, and I want to encourage you guys, like so many of you are writing to us and there, there's something you have to understand here that critical theory and critical race theory is a different worldview. You need to start understanding that even though there's Christians who are trying to kind of bring this into the church, this is a framework that is worldly thinking. It mm-hmm. is outside of the historic Christian faith. So if you're talking to somebody who's not a believer and this is their operating system, you need to think about them as like you would a Buddhist or a Muslim. They have a different framework. They have a different worldview. Yes. And mm-hmm. then what makes it really hard is when it comes into the church, it's like this, this syncretistic mix of theologies where you have something that's kind of part Christian and part this other foreign framework. And it becomes this heterodox kind of situation of, of mixing. And that becomes highly confusing. So we have to get crystal clear about what scripture says, and it has what we need for life and godliness. If we want to know how to be holy, if we want to know God's justice standards, we're going to look in scripture First. Yeah. Yes. 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 I can't agree more. That's Um, what I was going to say, like along those lines is CRT in the church is kind of like, I don't don't know who's responsible for bringing it in, but (laughs) it is the church's, I think, hope or looking at culture to bring something good for unity or for reconciliation that the, the, the goal of unity is only available through Christ. It's only available through the church. We have to be that stand and take that out into culture. We cannot go down and pluck something up from culture and bring it into the church and be like, you know, this is the best we got. No, it really isn't. We have something. We have a truth that's better, that offers a better hope for unity. Like you always say, and it's like, you know, we need to take that out into culture and be a stand and a light for that and show culture how it's done. But let's keep it real. Like, the relationship in our theme tonight of race and relationships, having those conversations um, with your friends and family when they are embedded in CRT, because one of the big questions we're getting right now is how can I respond compassionately and biblically to my friends and family without embracing CRT, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and many of my, my children's friends are, are embedded in this paradigm. I'm concerned about my children So you have to understand that having these conversations in this sort of toxic culture that we're in, this is a different worldview. And so 
We have a couple of videos we want to highlight for people that we did in the past. Um, one of them is called uh, Why It's Hard to Talk About Race. 25 reasons, 23 reasons why it is hard to talk about race. And the genesis of this video is Monique and I were sitting in Starbucks one night and we both had a Google Doc open and we both just sat there and wrote on the Google Doc yes. all the all the things that were hindrances from our point of view mm-hmm. on why it's hard to talk about race. And we're just going to say candidly, like every single one of these things, we fell in that hole. Yes. <laughs> like yes. this is not some hypothetical thing. Oh, no. We have made so many it had mistakes. so many hard conversations yeah so yes. many mistakes and yes. so this was a video that that came out of that so that is a good resource to interact with and then we did a follow-up video called steps toward peaceful conversations about race 14 steps toward peace more peaceful conversations that's probably when when i was like you know if she would only do these seven eight steps right here that i got lined out i'm sure we'd be okay <laughs> She'd only get woke. Yes. <laughs> but these two videos, um, I think, will be of some help. Some they, I would call them a little coaching on how to do this, like how to identify a lot of the pitfalls and then how to how to avoid some of those things. Because we can have compassionate, empathetic discussions. Yeah, and I think, you know, we can be grace filled. We can. Um, you know, empathize with people. It, it doesn't mean that I have to immediately go over to you and, you know, say, what? You're woke. Like, ah, ah, and, you know, jump off the crazy train. You know, how do we have conversations that are gracious and that leave the door open for another conversation? You might not, you know, win, win the, the war right in that moment or, you know, anything like that. But can you win the next conversation? Can you get to a place where you can have the next conversation with someone? Can you leave them thinking about something? You and know, don't don't under, don't think that you're alone in this. Like yeah. changing their mind is not up to you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Remember, our first step was educate yourself. Second step is partner with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And there were things where I knew I had moments in our journey together where I knew I couldn't take it any farther with you. Like the Holy Spirit was going to have to take you the rest of the way. And there were moments where the Holy Spirit changed your mind about some things. And so don't fall into a practical naturalism where you think that you're the one that has to convince the person. That's the wrong job. Our job as the participant is to plant some truth, to try to do it winsomely, to be educated. But then we partner with the Holy Spirit to change that person's heart and mind, to open it and to trust yeah. for the increase. Yes. So it's it's just like any other evangelism project where you have your job to preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit has his job to to bring about that conviction of of sins. So it's the same type of thing. Well, let's let's yes. talk a little bit. Should we check the comments? Woo, there's a yes, lot check, happening. You check the comments. And I'm just realizing that I'm not even on Looking the right at the page at my notes. Yeah. All right. Um, Now, let's see. Okay, let's talk about this question because we're getting this a lot. Allison says, this is on YouTube. Do you think Christians 
And proponents of biblical unity need to read things like White Fragility, and I would assume other books in the CRT canon, to know what they say and how to combat it, or is that just a waste of time? And our friend Amy Davis is wondering the same. So let's tackle that. So I will, okay, here's the thing. If you are not grounded, firmly grounded in who you are, I would say no. If you're not firmly grounded in what, you know, the Bible says in scripture, I would say no. To me, I always want to know my enemy. I want to know who am I fighting? What are the ways that this person's going to come with a right hook for me? Like, how can I block it? That is who I am. And so because that's who I am, I did read um, White Fragility. I am reading um, Critical Race Theory. I I do have like Lucretia Carter Berry's book, What Lies Between Us. I do have the Be the Bridge book. There, there are books that I read um, in my college years, like Divided by Faith or um, Why Do All the Black Kids Sit, the, Sit at the Table in the Cafeteria by Beverly Daniel Tatum. I've, I'm messing up the title now, but... You know, some of these things I read as an undergrad, some have come out later. And yes, I do have woke church. You know, I need to know how do I scripturally, you know, combat these things? What is the scriptural answer? Because these people are putting out things that they say are based on scripture, but they're plucking out a scripture here or scripture there and not really using you know, the entire, the entire scripture as it's supposed to be used. And so I want to know, like, how do I reach out to someone who may believe this? How do I address this question? What is the biblical precedent for this? How do I pray about that? So I say yes, but that is not for everyone. That's a conversation for you and the Lord, because there are some things kind of like movies. I can't watch every movie. The Lord will be like, no, that ain't for you. But my friends can sit up and I'm like, why can't I watch it, Jesus? You but know? it's similar but, to but, reading a book from another religion. Yeah. It's like you have to be super grounded in what you believe. Otherwise, it can become highly disorienting. So I think your admonition to first start with making sure you've got a real handle on the biblical framework and, you know, that you, you feel like you have kind of an understanding of even the critical race theory framework through secondary sources, which I would call us secondary mm-hmm. sources. Yeah that you, you have an orientation of the major features before you start interacting with the primary sources because that's some uh, mind-bending yeah. stuff. And and when it says in 1 Corinthians 10 that we're going to demolish strongholds, you and I are both 100% convinced that there is a spiritual component to a all 100%. of this. 100%, yeah. yeah. Virgil says, um, read with an open Bible, and he's read all of James Cone's work. I have started reading James Cone. Oh, man, that's one that I'm just like, my goodness gracious. I don't know how anybody could have jumped on that. But, you know, I have friends who who love him, you know. It's kind of a combination of CRT, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, kind of all put together with, with Christian ideas, but redefined kind of all hodgepodge together. Yeah. So, yeah. But right. Yes, I like his his advice of, you know, read with an open Bible, making yeah. sure that we we read at, with an open Bible. Yes, we will get at you this week. Well, not tomorrow. We're going to take a little hiatus. But yes, we'll get at you um in the coming week. Yes. Yes. All right. So excited. So let's do okay. another question here is how do I listen to the hard race traumas of people of color and what they've experienced and not get swept up? into affirming CRT. Let's, let's kind of tackle that question a little bit. Um, goodness. I, I first say, you know, 
to hold a, a gracious and empathetic attitude with people. You know, we don't want to immediately um, just negate or, you know, push away someone's experience because we don't want to get swept up in CRT. Right. Now, here's the thing, though, too, that I was thinking about. Because right before we um, we went on the air, I was like, you know, there is something to wanting to affirm someone's experience or, or validate their feelings and making sure they feel heard and all those things. And yet I even question the the part of critical race theory that says, but you can't question the experience. So it's like, yes, I do want to um, be with you in it and, and I can empathize with you. And I can hold to the truth that, you know, CRT is unbiblical Two those two things can live in the same vein. I can affirm that, you know, racial injustice is wrong. The sin of partiality is wrong. And CRT is an unbiblical framework. Yeah. You know, so I think that the the idea that we live on a one way street, that in order for me to um, denounce you know, CRT, I must be affirming racism is not true. That's a that's a tool that's going to be sold to us by culture. Yeah, I think that what's a very helpful thing for me is to understand that don't assume the the picture that the media points for you paints for us that all people of color think the same mm-hmm. way, have the same experiences, have the same political points of view. That's just that's just simply not true. Um I think my biggest thing when, when I'm talking to somebody is to treat them as an individual. Yeah. Like you can ask them their individual experiences. What are your thoughts? Don't assume that they're sympathetic with black lives matter simply because they're a person of color. We just, as we don't want them to think all white people are a certain way. We don't want to think that all, all blacks are a certain way or think a certain way. Yeah. We want to look at people as individuals because that's how Christ deals with us. Mm-hmm. Christ deals with us as individuals. He yeah. doesn't engage in tribalism where he says, you know, all Jews are this way or all Gentiles are this way. He he engages. We see this so much in his ministry of how he engages the person and their, their situation and their life history. And yet he, he invites them into that relationship with him. That is their biggest problem is not their poverty. Yeah. It's it's not their race. It's not their ethnicity. People's biggest problem is their sin. Yes. And that they've offended a holy God. And Jesus is inviting us into that conversation. Like, let's let's point people to Jesus and let's believe that the gospel is powerful to transform hearts and minds. Let's let's really Let's make the gospel great again. Let's make yeah. let's make it powerful and to believe in the power of the resurrection, power of the Holy Spirit to to raise people's to to raise people's minds and souls to to come into a knowledge of who Jesus is. That is what we want to do. So don't assume everybody's the same. You can ask about their specific situations. You can ask about their experiences, but don't assume that they're automatically sympathetic. Well, yeah, I agree with that. I just, um, like, I think for the, the question of how do I, how do I do that? It, it's like you're saying it, it is a, as individual as the person, because some people are going to expect that you automatically believe, you know, what, whatever their experience is. And, um, 
Yeah, there's one of somebody just hit something on on that. And that's what made me think about it. Um, I think this is a really good point. Um, Famous, famous warrior of grace says our experience should never trump the word of God. Yes, that is a a hugely important uh, point. We got it, Bob. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think that in the kind of more postmodern idea, it's my truth. My experience determines the truth. My experience becomes a lens through which I I look out and interpret the world. There's actually no such thing as my truth. Mm-hmm. There's either the either either truth or your opinion. Those are the options available. Yeah. And our experience doesn't determine truth. We have to. Part of the Christian worldview is that there's an objective world out there and there's objective truth, and we have to apprehend what that is. And we have to understand and interpret scripture as it is. Yes. She preaching tonight, y'all. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, All right. Okay. Let's see. We are just, man. Isn't James Cone one of the main resources, um, one of the main reasons CRT is in the church? I think it's one of the reasons, but I don't know if it's a main reason. But there are people now at pretty um, prominent evangelical seminaries that are highly sympathetic to James Cone. I mean, uh, there's a professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary that is is a big, you know, thinks that James Cone is a has many great ideas. And I would say yes. Like he's he's probably like laid the found the strong foundation yeah. for other people to stand on. Yeah. And people realized that good old Uncle James was a little crazy. And so they 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 reeled it back in a bit. But some of those underlying premises of um, you know, like this this whiteness idea or, you know, like a white devil, so to speak. Like those are the things that that were kind of laid that ha- we haven't gotten away from. Another issue when we're having those one-on-one conversations with people, I think this was helpful to me to understand. I don't know if it'll help anyone else, but one of the features of white culture or Western European culture, I think is a better way of saying it, is that we are a very individualistic culture in, in many regards, not in all regards, but in many regards. And kind of what I do is, is, you know, and I think this is based on a biblical idea that, that God deals with us as individuals, mm-hmm. but also in uh, the Middle Eastern culture, which was part of where Jesus, you know, the part of the world where Jesus comes from is that there was also this collective identity mm-hmm. idea. And we see that played out in the Bible too, is we're all one in the body of Christ and the body has many, m- many parts. And we all help to build unity in the body of Christ by maturing us in the faith. I think that what's important for us to, to wrestle with is Christianity is, is kind of this religion that speaks to the excesses of individualistic cultures, and it speaks to the excesses of collective cult, group identity mm-hmm. cultures. And I didn't really have a, an understanding that the Black culture— is much more of a group identity culture. When you and I first started talking and I would ask you for examples of racism, you you had two immediate responses, slavery and Jim Crow. 
and and, and there was a moment where I said, you know, I've noticed in our conversations, like nearly every one of them ties back to slavery. And you kind of snap your head back and it was like, well, I got to think about that a minute. But I think that for you, there was so much of your identity that was wrapped up. In, well, I, I think it's that yes, in your history. Again, well, it there's oh, I have so many thoughts about that. I think that for me in my particular life, there were a lot of instances where um, it was more of the the tribal mindset. So you do hear the stories or the people in the neighborhood who have had, you know, rough encounters with police or, you know, in school, the teacher telling you, you know, this is your history. This is where where you come from. This is what you need to to be tied on to um, in some in some respects. But I don't I just honestly don't think that a lot of the European Western European culture has it. it's much more individualized. So to me, when I'm living when I'm living in South L.A., and something happens to, you know, one person, everybody knows. And that one thing can Im- impact many other people. I also saw this living abroad in South Africa and traveling in Zambia and things like that, that, um, you know, the the tribal mindset among black Africans and even um, colored Africans is that as well. Like this one incident happened to one person, you know, this one person died, this one person was shot, this one person, you know, whatever. And it, but it impacts a larger group of people. So I do think that there is something to the idea that this group narrative can keep us in a mindset of history and not allow us to really move forward to the present because we do rehearse these stories and well, you know what it's always been like. You know, you hear your grandmother talking about that. Well, they've always been that way. And, you know, you have to watch on here. I am a child of seven years old and you know, now I'm, I'm in a conversation of, you know, they've always been this way. And so when those conversations are internalized, that does become your come from in, you know, how you view and live the world. But I think that that took a long time for me to understand that and to pick up on that, it, because that's not so much how I think. I don't I don't think so much in a group identity kind of a thing. And so when you and I were having conversations and I would say things like, well, can you help me understand how you personally have experienced racism? And then all of a sudden you're talking about Jim Crow. I'm like, uh, maybe my question was unclear. I, and, but it took you a while because the, those, those, those ideas were so melded in your mind. Mm-hmm. And so then that took several conversations before you started realizing like, oh, I'm actually my own person too. Like I'm part of this community and I'm also an individual. And then you started looking at your life. You're like, okay, yeah, there were these hardships and the Lord brought me in a situation where I went to college and I've had this highly successful career. Yeah. And, and I think that so, there is a, a, a narrative for individualism. Like there is a space for that within black culture and within the tribe, like you are, you know, allowed to be your own person. And when it comes to things of things of race, we are very much a collective tribe. Yeah. So I think those are, I'm hoping that that'll just help some people um, maybe 
just understand some of those cultural differences that I didn't understand Mm -hmm. in in the beginning, you know? So, yeah, I mean, we don't want to give a, a narrative here of like truncating people's pain or, or not listening to their experience. Our friend Susanna was asking, um, Let's see if I can even find it back. Um, saying ex- so, saying experience is looking through the world through experience glasses versus truth glasses. I think it's a very important question because somebody can have an experience and you can affirm their perceptions of the world in, in that. But then there's a different conversation about objective reality sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, not always, but sometimes. And like in your case, when we would talk about racism, we would have to differentiate between, well, what happened to you personally and what happened to people that you were connected to in your ancestry? Like those were two different things, but that took a while to to get out of that. But 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 that was a pair of glasses that you had on that that white people are sort of against you and they're the reason that you have difficulty. And so that's the experience part of it that I think we have to step back and look at, like, has this become, has my pain become my worldview? Has, has, has this narrative or this story become a pair of lenses that I look at and interpret the The world world with? That's what we're talking about. I hope that helps you, Susanna. Okay. Lots of lots of questions. There are some questions. There's some good questions on Facebook. Okay. Regarding yeah. and what now? So, and I think that um, this is. Let's see. I don't. Okay. Yes. Where do we go from here? Let me actually go back up a little bit. Can you go scroll up a little? Um, because I just lost my whole page. Practical moves for helping race relations. Yeah. We yeah. Can, we actually have that as a question. Um. Let's go to. Should we go here? Sure. Okay. So, yeah, I think that um, Amy or Emily Davis is wanting to know, like, once we're on board uh, being, all right, I recognize critical race theory is not, like, the best way to go. Then what? What do we do? Um, And I think that, you know, there's some, what are some tangible ways that we can work toward racial unity and promoting justice as a community, a church community, and as a family? I think it's important to... Um, talk about the individual level first and then the community level or church community and then larger community. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you. In the individual level, like be in relationship, <laughs> you know, like be in authentic relationships. That's the first step. Yeah. Like don't think that you can now go, let me go and impact this entire community because I really want to stand for unity, but you yeah. don't know anybody outside of your Oikos. You're like eight to 10 people that are from a different culture or that have a different experience than you. Like, and don't make it your job. Like we don't want to go and like, Oh, that's a white person. I'm going to, she's going to be my friend today. No, we need to start developing authentic relationships with people. Let's, you know, go to a different church, you know, like visit a church that might go not, visit a black yeah, church that might or... not be in your, in your normal routine, so to yeah. speak. Um, I, I love that. Like we have to start with where we are, start developing relationships there or let's say you live in the middle of nowhere and it's just all white people start having conversations about what's happening in the world. Like, even if you can't 
go out and tangibly touch someone who may wear different skin than you, the minds are are all different. And, you know, strike up some of those conversations, begin to diversify. Well, I think like one idea that you were on Elizabeth Urbanovitz's, um, uh, another former guest of ours from Foundation Worldview, mm-hmm. you, you did a, a little, a really good discussion with about with her about kids yeah. and, and how to foster, um, you know, kind of multicultural friendships and think about how you could, with your kids, maybe learn about other cultures. You could maybe think about um, going to Voice of the Martyrs or Open Doors and researching other countries where Christians are persecuted. Maybe you could pray for them together as a family. Maybe you could look at um, how the gospel has gone out to different countries and and learn about how the Great Commission has has really played out in history. Um, you can look at some and use that as a venue to learning about other cultures. So even well, if you don't know someone personally, yeah. but if you do know someone, you know, engage in authentic friendship and be prepared to make mistakes. Yeah. One of the things that um, I gave us as a suggestion when I was meeting with Elizabeth is have a family project where you learn about like a different people group every month, especially this is works so well with little kids because now they can learn that yes, people are different and there's nothing wrong with being different. Kids are going to point out all the differences. They don't care. They just, that's different. Let's talk about it. And yes, that is different. She is different. She has brown skin. Her hair isn't the same as yours. Let's talk about that. Why is that? But start your family on, on um, not projects necessarily, but start them on becoming inquisitive about different people around the world. If you do that one people group a month, you get 12 people groups, you know, in a year where your children are more educated and, um, you know, have a different relationship with with. Um, people, so to speak, so that when, you know, they meet someone of a different culture, it's not some shock to them. Yeah. There's a couple comments. Um, Stacy has a comment here about how everyone is suffering, um, even enemies of the gospel. This is good versus evil. Love those who blame you for things. I, 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 I oh, blame. Uh, I, yeah. yeah. Well, blame is, is the, one of the, the, the things that go back all the way to the fall. You know, and I talk about this a lot with with critical theory, critical race theory. There's always got to be someone to blame. So in critical theory, they want to look at the oppressed versus the oppressor. And what are the the reasons why people are being oppressed? Who can we blame? Blame goes back to the beginning. It's it wasn't invented today. It's not, you know, just the the effects of critical theory and Marxism and things like that. In, In the garden, when Jesus came and said, what have you done? Adam said it was that woman. Like, let's be clear, God, it wasn't me. I'm going to blame the woman. And the woman turned around and she blamed the snake. Blame has been around since the beginning. And I just, I, I find it everywhere with, with CRT. I find that, you know, we if we got to establish if, the blame, we have to establish the blame. So now the police are to blame. So we need to defund the police. We need to, to, you know, get rid of the hierarchy, male patriarchy, the white male is to blame. Um, there's always going to be someone to blame. Don't jump on that bandwagon. Don't jump on the blame bandwagon. But Don't. another component of that, that question or that comment is about 
loving your enemies. And I think that this is a very important thing because um, Jesus does call us to love our enemies. And when somebody calls, um, when somebody wants to use racism as a way of loving people, you know, I, 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 you know, when your framework makes you into an angry person, like so many people we're interacting with now will say, well, people that I knew that, that went down this path of critical race theory, they changed, they became very angry and I couldn't talk to them anymore. If that's the fruit of your framework, you might want to check that out with the Lord. If you find yourself feeling angry all the time about these things, um, that's not a fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Are we going to have moments of anger? Sure. Are we going to make mistakes? Absolutely. But when you have long-term sustained anger about everything, um, that's probably a good sign that you need to think about the origin of that. But we are called to love our enemies. When, when people do get offended with us, we don't have to get offended back. We can just make up our minds and we're not going to be offended. That we're going to still be a stand for an open invitation and it's no problem. And, and we're going to keep that door open. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to show up to the offended party yeah. and, and everybody be offended. It's okay if that person's offended. It's okay. Yeah. And we don't have to get offended back. Okay. Let's keep talking. Jess, All oh, right. Go sorry. ahead. Um, Jesse asked the question um, in response to what I said. She said, I'm curious about the different differentiation between teaching kids about other cultures, generalization about a people group and teaching them not to generalize and treat people and to treat people as individuals. I think it's a bit of a both and, you know, um, in, you know, certain cultures, people dress like this. Or in certain cultures, you know, this is a predominant food that they eat. You know, those are things that I would say are more or less about culture, about the, you know, like, oh, the land is like this is the topography of the land, things like that. Now, to say, you know, every person in this in this people group definitely 100 percent of the time act like this or or are like that is is a different conversation. And I think one of the things that we do with kids is to remind them that everyone is unique. Everyone bears the image of God, but they are created unique. He has done a, a, a very unique work in making us. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to our question here about how can we have some tangible ways to promote justice. So the first thing we said is on an individual level, get into authentic relationships. Now let's talk about kind of church communities Mm -hmm. and what could we, what could we do? Um, I want to first encourage people to go watch my teaching series recently on justice. Don't assume that the world's definition of justice matches our definition of justice. There are some overlaps and there are some very important differences. So that'll be a good place to start. And so let's talk about some ideas. Let's maybe you could walk us through some of your ideas on this. Okay, so some of my ideas. First and foremost, I would love to see this um, put into practice somewhere. And if you know of a church who does this, let me know. Um, but adopt a church. That's kind of one of the things. The first things that I think about is you know, church big churches can adopt smaller churches, especially smaller churches in the inner city that may be struggling. And, you know, teach on things like finance and budgeting, parenting, 
um, get like just that partnership, I think, between churches would be awesome. I think that that is um, that is a justice kind of issue, um, but also just a love your neighbor issue. Like, how are we standing for one another within the body? And so to me, that's the first thing. Um, but I th- have that partnership be both ways. Yes, both yeah, ways. Yeah. So so the, the smaller church definitely has things that they can give back to the larger church. You know, it's not just I need to go out and give, give, give. Savior. Yeah, no, yeah. it's not a savior mentality. We it flows it's a body mentality. It, yeah, it flows back and forth. It is a body like that, a body mentality. Yeah. Um, judicial work. So um when we look at things like um systemic injustices, and I am still on the fence. I don't know where I'm standing with that yet, folks. But when I um was extremely when I was an extreme proponent of systemic injustice and things like that, one of the things that I was passionate about was um like judicial injustice and the the judicial system and how people could, from a lot of things I read, go into the system with equal crimes, equal points and things like that. And one person get, you know, the white person get parole and the black person get 26 years. How does that work? How does that system where all things seem like they should be equal, um, produce such inequality when I looked at the movie just mercy. And if you haven't seen it, I would say, you know, find it, rent it, read the book. It's really good because it talks about the, um, time in America where this idea of judicial injustice was prevalent and how one man decided that he was going to really work to help overturn, um, the, the injustices, Um, that were committed within the judicial system. So a lot of blacks or minorities who have been put on death row, he got a lot of those overturned because the process, the due process wasn't afforded to them because they were black. Um, So having people maybe within your church who are, you know, lawyers or in the, the judicial system, having them do pro bono work for people come together. How can you, you know, fight on behalf of someone who is possibly not receiving due justice within the judicial system, I think is a good one. Um, researching judges, you know, who are the people that you're voting for? What, what are their histories? What, what relationship do they have with, um, you know, people of color and how did, how do they sentencing? Yes. Sentencing. Thank you. You know, what does that look like? What are the sentencing laws in your States? Are they just, are they, you know, do they hold equal measure? Are these, are these laws being applied equally to people? Or is it a lot of, um, judgment calls and, and kind of arbitrariness to it? So those are important questions. I think, um, I would love to see, churches, especially if you're in an adopted church situation, like how can we help each other advocate for more entrepreneurship? I think that uh, it would be great if church communities could have classes on how to start your own business and, and getting people to have an entrepreneurial mindset because so many of our poverty and social, social service programs, and this is something we've talked about on the show several times now, they don't lift people out of poverty. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get out of poverty by being on welfare. Um, that's a, a, sometimes a needed and necessary temporary situation. But when you have multi-generational welfare systems, we're not, we're not, um, we're not taking care of people's dignity. We're not honoring the image of God in them because work 
is part of the image of God. Yeah. And that was part of our created makeup before the fall. I just recently did two shows on uh, the theology of work in the Bible. And so as we're having all these social service systems in place, I'm not convinced that those are actually the best way of enacting justice. Mm -hmm. I think entrepreneurship lifts people out of poverty at a much higher rate. You can lift an entire family out of poverty in one generation with a, with a, with a successful business. And so, you know, our church does microfinancing to help people start businesses overseas in the Philippines. They help people start their own business by giving them small loans well, why couldn't we use that model here in the States? Why couldn't we have classes on entrepreneurship and microfinancing projects where churches would help people finance small businesses? Um, because when a small business gets going, it helps that family and it helps the other community. families in the community. Yes. It's providing a service. It's a tangible way of loving your neighbor by providing a service and you're providing jobs for people that get hired. So I feel like, why aren't we exploring those options as part of our justice conversation? Why does everything have to be about social service? So that's, those are some ideas in my mind. If I would love to see some creative megachurch pastors start thinking about those ideas. On the family level, I love the idea of like supporting your local food pantry. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do with that. Well, I manage a multi-site food pantry and... On the kid level, I see, I see many, many kids like in Royal Rangers or Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, um, baseball teams, and they do like food drives, you know. And so this is a kid-led initiative. You know, the parents might have to do the photocopying and the flyers, you know, and all that stuff. But by and large, the kids really get behind it and they tell their friends about it and they talk to their school about it. And I've seen whole schools get on board with it to really bless the the local food pantry. One of the things that happened with um, Rona is that the shops went empty. And because the shops went empty and um, people entered into more of a scarcity mode, food pantries really dried up. I know our, our three locations did. And so having um, a time where, and when I said Rona, I meant COVID-19. You know, just to be clear, um, you know, having a time where kids can now that things are getting back to normal, where kids can participate in selecting, you know, uh, a pantry that they would like to to support or a cause that they would like to support. Maybe it's that, you know, they decide they're going to save a piece of their allowance money and give that to a local organization or something like that. But letting them spearhead a lot of these things so that when they grow up, they also remember how important this is. Another good thing is we had our friend Brian Crane on a couple of months ago and just talking about the wonderful ministry of gospel missions mm -hmm. in helping the homeless. Yeah. And how if you, you know, it's a wonderful service because homelessness, like you're not going to, there's so many things right now. I'm seeing like justice is giving every homeless person a house. That's actually not going to be a great solution for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, like Brian Crane says, homelessness is always downstream from other problems. Yes. Trafficking, um, domestic violence, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. Like homelessness is a symptom of. Well, and not a, to a, mention a deeper problem, not to mention that every homeless person doesn't want to be housed. Like this is an assumption that we're making that drives me crazy after I have worked 
with homeless and homeless services for, gosh, before I moved to South Africa, it was at least seven, eight years, um, maybe longer than that, maybe 10. Um, not every homeless person wants to be housed. That's just a part of the conversation. And I think that we make the assumption that, you know, this is just, this is tiny houses this is for justice. all the homeless. I can't even, I will not even justice. All right. Okay. We so need some comments. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think those are just a few ideas to get people started. And obviously, you know, this is just such a large discussion because justice is a big conversation and it's connected to a lot of issues, but we're, you know, hopefully we're, we're helping you think a little bit creatively and, um, think outside the box Yeah, for, we don't have to go along with every cultural idea for how to solve these problems. All right. So in the comments, yes, I, and there are tons of comments, but there's a comment that I wanted to hit on, um, because I almost literally passed out, um, YouTube, but I've seen it. I have seen it. I have seen more than one. Um, Kimba, she said, this is off topic. Just was just in a video of a black Israelite demanding a white woman kiss his boots. And she did it. This is where this leads to people. This is where this oppressor oppressed mentality leads to. I have seen several videos where white people are shamed into, you know, hey, we're, we're from Black, Black Lives Matter and we want to promote um, the justice of black people. And so here we go. You need to renounce, you know, your, white renounce, renounce your whiteness, bow down, um, enter into this lament, kiss our boots. I have seen several. When I say several, I mean many. I have seen many um, many people being led in prayers of repentance for their whiteness. This is where this leads. If you think that critical race theory is just a cute theory or framework, you know, for us to be able to understand the ills of society, you are sadly mistaken. Do not adopt this framework because it will lead you down a path of worship for someone else, a path of repenting to someone else. I am sorry. I, I can't, I can only say black people ain't your God. If you are white and you feel like you need to bow down and repent to a black person, you are sadly mistaken. You are on the wrong train. And that might not sound nice and be a gracious stand, but you know what? I'd rather let you know boldly than to kind of placate your emotions. This is wrong. This is where this leads. It leads to white people feeling like they need to lament and repent of their whiteness and kiss somebody's boots. The devil is a lie. Well, let's have some real talk about white culture. We, we are, we um, almost, we, we highly emphasize empathy in, in our culture. And I think that there's a lot of white people who are like, you know, Hey, I want to empathize. I want to be compassionate and maybe I can make all these hard feelings kind of calm down if I show up and be empathetic. But you have to know that that's not going to be enough. That's not where this train leads. The goal of critical race theory for the thought leaders, for, for the people who really buy into this as, as, a, as a framework and a, a life principle, is their, their goal is to become the oppressors that 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 they will Sorry. crush um white culture 
They're going to smash the patriarchy and they're going to smash the, 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 what they perceive as be the affluence, the privilege of whites and white culture. And you might not get this from a Christian, a Christian who upholds the CRT. They're just going to talk about equity and equality. But let me keep it real. That is not the end goal. The end goal is the end of the white male patriarchy by any means necessary. Um, James Cone, who was a black theologian, he talked about liberation theology. And what, oh, I don't even remember the name of the book that I'm reading by him. But um, he literally says, by any means necessary. And we will take some of you guys with us. If it means death, we will take some of you guys with us. Don't, don't fall for it. I'm telling you now, do not fall for it. Black lives matter. Don't fall for it. I'm black. Okay, look, I got melanin. I love my melanin. I'm going to go ahead and let you know now. I am not ashamed to be black. But I will not jump on board with something that does not promote a Christian ethos. Black Lives Matter, and everybody wants to hashtag Black Lives Matter, and white silence is violence, and if you are white and you don't promote Black Lives Matter, then you're just a part of the problem. No, wait a minute. Have you looked on their website? Have you looked at um, the about for Black Lives Matter? They have, they have the, in their agenda, it's part of the dismantling of the nuclear family. That's a problem. Because God created the family in Genesis. It's a problem when they want to they want to dismantle the black family and then promote the black trans. It's a problem when you want to dismantle the black family and yet black females have the highest abortion rate out of all races. It's a problem that you want to dismantle the black family and yet black poverty is so high. Black Lives Matter is not really about black like all black life matters. No, they 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 have an agenda too. And when you jump on board with the hashtag of Black Lives Matters, you are promoting an agenda that is antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Black Lives Matter does not care about the black father. Let's, I mean, since we on the subject and people want to know, let's be real. Don't let, if you are white, don't let social media guilt you into being on the wrong train. Because critical theory, right behind critical theory is critical race theory. And right behind critical race theory is going to be feminist studies, queer studies, and all these other things. So if you don't want critical theory, or if you don't want queer studies in your church next year, don't accept critical race theory into your church this year. Because I'm telling you, it's coming right behind it. Yeah, I, ooh, I, I didn't mean for us to go this way. Right. I didn't mean for it to get ugly. But people, y'all need to know. You need to know. Like we, I, I feel like we, game. this is the end game. And if we don't have a serious conversation about what the end game is, people are going to buy into it. And this is serious. Well, I love uh, uh, Susanna's comment. She said she saw a line on a poem that says for, for uh, reparations, apologize, acknowledge, amend, atone, what does that say? I don't know. Rinse and repeat. This is this is the end. They will never be satisfied. Okay? So you may think that you're doing the right thing by showing empathy and compassion. And we don't want to say, be mean to people. Show empathy. Show compassion. But you have to know at the end of the day that it will never be enough. That's not going to stop this. It will not stop the critical theory train. There will be a cycle of apologize, acknowledge, 
amend, atone. And who are you atoning? This is the new salvation. This is the new thing that you must, it, it, it's, it's activism as salvation. It's activism as sanctification. And it will never be enough. It won't. It will not. Can I have to fan one Oh, look, y'all, that. we got fans. Oh, man. With little G's on the front. Yeah, little these G's are, on the front. These are legit black church fans. Yeah, well, no, no, not really. Because normally black church fans got a funeral home <laughs> on the back. I ain't even going to lie. I'm not even going to tell a lie. But, um, yes. You know what? I think it's time for us to, to get to the tweet of the week and wrap up this okay. show. We've been on for a little while. I, I just want to say a quick word. There's one topic we haven't covered, and it was in the chat earlier, and that's interracial marriages and families. I think it's an important topic because I have a, a teaching series on interracial marriage, and I think that it's important to understand that I think the Christian worldview is uniquely theologically positioned to embrace interracial families. Um, because our unity, the ground of our unity is, is Christ. It's Christ first. That's our identity. So there, the, the thing that unifies us is what's important. The, the, the idea of, of interracial families and biracial children is something that we as Christians have to understand. Like, there's no problem there. Now, I wasn't aware that interracial marriage was illegal in some parts of the country. Oh, yeah. Until somewhat recently. Yes. And I document all of this in a teaching series that I did on a theology of interracial marriage and family. So I do want to refer people to that because I saw some comments about that earlier. And interracial marriages and biracial children, even though in some other cultures and other religions, that's a problem. Uh, for us as Christians, we are a global religion, and what unites us is Christ first. And so we actually have a theology, I think, that um, that promotes um, interracial marriage and biracial children because we raise Christian children first. So I just want to say a quick word about that before we sign off. Okay. All right. So now we're going to do... This. Oh. oh, I thought we were doing the tweet of the week first. Not yet. Okay. Well, there's that. Just, just a minute. We don't know. Okay. We. I'm trying to read in the comments because I feel like, woo, this is this. When you okay, it's a little spicy. All right. Yes. Okay. Do your thing. Um, oh, Cynthia, she coming with she coming with the the knowledge too. Okay. All right. Um. All right. So. We're going to take a little bit of time out to talk about what is the Center for Biblical Unity. I have no idea what camera I'm looking at. Uh, awesome. There we go. All right. So the Center for Biblical Unity is an organization that I felt like the Lord was telling me to start. And when I talk about being slow, y'all, I was like, not today, Jesus. Um, but boy, I, I am glad that that I eventually got on board with his plan. Um Founded in February, it became an original, like official organization in February, um, and I'm still working on the 501c3. That can take a, like up to a year. So while it is you, you an official entity, entity, yeah. it is not officially tax exempt yet here in the state of California. So there's that. What is the goal? Um, the goal really is to uh, to train leaders, Christians, pastors, how to have safe and sane conversations around biblical unity one 
and to warn against the CRT framework from coming into evangelicalism. Our mission, like it says on the shirt, one race, one people, one savior. That is that is what we preach. We are preaching nothing else is that we are one race, one people and one savior. Um, there are trainings that one training that is developed, one tra- another training that we are developing for that's ex- experiential so that we can really get into the nitty gritty of like, what is it like to have this conversation with someone else? I've never really had to, you know, think about what I would say or answer this question in front of someone else. Um, I'm probably not doing the the best job with explaining what I, she's just shaking her head. No. Um, but the goal, the goal of the organization really is to help people have sane and safe conversations around race and unity and to promote biblical unity. We do not promote, um, critical race theory. We, you know what? I'll say this. The goal is to be, uh, um, a battering ram against the cages that people are trapped in which I believe are CRT. I believe the CRT is a, a spiritual spiritual battle. And so we want to speak truth into those realms and then also to be a safe haven for people who have been damaged by CRT. So that's some of the work. Um, it is a big work. This week I've realized just how big of a work it is to... I've run nonprofits before, but to actually you know start a nonprofit and to have so many things happening at one time. It's been awesome and amazing, but it has been a bit overwhelming. I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. It's really happening. Um, I was telling someone, maybe I was telling you, um, you know, when I, when I projected out where we would be in a year, this is where we would be in a year, a year from now. So I'm thinking, you know, June, 2021, this is where we'll be at. You know, we'll have, you know, some people calling in and asking questions and, you know, talking about, Hey, can you do this training? Can you do this interview? No, that's today. It all shifted in the matter of two weeks. And so, that's a little bit about who we are. You can find out more about us at the center for biblical unity.com. Just type in center for biblical unity.com. That's our website. You can find us on Facebook at center for biblical unity. Um, and support us, please. Like th- there, there is so much need and so many questions that working a full-time job and running a ministry are, is a little difficult. And I am definitely, um, all in. I definitely am all in when, and you know, I'll, I'll tell this story quickly. Um, I was raised as a fighter. I grew up fighting. Like that's just it. My brother had a big mouth. I love you, Mark, but he had a big mouth. He would get into trouble. And my mom would send me out because I'm the oldest to beat up whoever it was that now has now punched my brother because he had a big mouth. Part of that though is also the idea of not letting people come for your family. The body of Christ is a family. And so I am extremely, I, I don't know, I'm extremely passionate about about standing against the things um, that would come from my brothers and sisters. And I don't care what color they are. Um, I said earlier this week, you could be pink with glitter. I would like to meet you because those are two of my favorite things. But, you know, it doesn't matter if, if you, if we are our family as it says in the scriptures that we are brothers and sisters, um, then we should be speaking out for each other. We should be protecting each other. And that's that's one of the goals is to really offer a safe place, but to also speak out against the things that are hurting people within 
within our family. And right now, one of the things that I see hurting people, um, I see this coming against whites a lot. And I'm going to speak out because y'all my brothers and sisters in Christ. But I also see CRT hurting blacks and browns and other races too. And so we need to speak truth into, you know, how do we define justice? How are we implementing systems that, you know, promote unity um, and really serve all people? So that's a long answer. Yeah. But there's that. Okay. So go support Monique. Thank you to all of you who already have stepped up. Many of our viewers have stepped up in the last two weeks. We're very grateful for you and just helping us meet our, our first goal so quickly. So, okay, with that, we're going to go to the tweet of the week. Oh, my. We oh. have a new opening. I didn't even know that was a thing, but look oh, at that. Oh, look like what it. you did this week. That was nice. Okay, this was sent to Monique and I uh, on a group chat on Twitter uh, from Dr. Neil Shenvey. Yeah, it wasn't really a group, but it was okay. I don't know who this guy is, but uh, it revisits something that we talked about a few, a uh, couple of months ago. Actually, go up for a second, Bob. The hashtags are important. Um, wo- working to change the narrative. Um, and this is social justice mathematics. And their statement from mathematics educators on challenging racial injustices in mathematics and we're going to see more and more of what i'm calling these woke statements uh where you know there's position statements for all these entities and we did a show back in february Mm -hmm. with our friend dr neil shenvey about how critical theory is coming into the realm of the stem fields um stem meaning science math uh technology engineering so I think we have a little graphic to remind us of what that show was. Uh, so if people want to check, check it out, go back in our archives. Uh, those of you who are new and check out our, our interview with Dr. Neil Shenvey is Math Racist, Critical Race Theory in STEM Fields. Because uh, this is coming, some of you are thinking, well, it's not in, in my area yet. Well, trust me, it's coming. Oh yeah, It's coming to all your hobbies. It's coming to your knitting group. It's coming to your engineering class. And see, um, that's where people are going to find out about this stuff. This is where you're indoctrinated at. It's not that you go and take a class on critical race theory to find out what is critical race theory. What you do is you go to your knitting groups, you go to the Bible study, and people just are pervasive in their conversations, and you begin to buy into it. That's how it happens, and it makes sense. And then before you know it, you're neck deep in in a worldview that isn't biblical. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see. Read you odds. Monique, uh, I am so sorry. In case I was controversial regarding CRT, maybe I have intense feelings for what my ancestors did to the colored people, except my infinite love and respect, Monique. There's no, 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 um, no animosity, like no worries at all. I'm not, I wasn't even, you know, I haven't seen any previous posts. I think he's um, a little, sympathi- so I'm not, I think he's a little sympathetic with CRT. And so he was having some back and forth. With okay. Some of, I haven't with, seen okay, that. I haven't some of seen that at all. About it, but um, that's okay. That's all yeah. part of the learning. Yeah. That's, it's no uh, hard feelings and that's all part of the learning. And I think Juwad, um, you have to understand that we're coming at this from a Christian point of view. 
And until you're a Christian, you know, it's just something to consider that in our worldview, you know, we can, we, we come into relationship with Jesus um, as individuals and um, we can have a conversation about things that our ancestors have done, but God doesn't hold us accountable for those sins. Yeah. He, he holds us accountable for our own sins. And so um, that might be part of the, the confusion here is that to understand things, we're not trying to come at this from the framework of the culture. We're trying to come at this from the position of uh, the historic Christian worldview. Now, for you, Juad, because you're a Muslim, um, you know, and, and, and maybe you're just kind of wrestling through, you know, hey, how do I make sense of these injustices? I think that's a very yeah. fair question. And I love your heart of compassion toward others and, and really grappling with the realities of, of what you feel like your ancestors did. Now, I don't have any direct knowledge of what your ancestors did. Maybe you do. Maybe you have direct knowledge that your ancestors participated directly in owning slaves or whatever. I don't know what your situation is. But, you know, I think that in in the Christian worldview, and I would commend you to um, Monique's um, blog article this week, in the Christian worldview, sometimes when we get so, um, when we meet the real Lord Jesus Christ, what happens to us is that we become so overwhelmed with his grace and his love that we want to right the wrongs that we have engaged in. There's a story of a man in scripture named Nicodemus, and he was a tax collector, and he cheated a lot of his neighbors out of their money. And when he meets Jesus, he immediately is so taken with his own sinfulness, he wants to pay back all his neighbors times four, just as an expression of how much he's so grateful for Jesus's forgiveness. And for us as Christians, we believe our fundamental problem is that all of us are sinners. Mm -hmm. All of us have offended a holy God. And Jesus is inviting all of us to have our sins washed away and that we can stand before him uh, with a clear conscience that even if our ancestors did horrible things, God is not going to hold us responsible. Now, we may decide voluntarily that we want to do something for our neighbor, that we want to love our neighbor in a certain way, or we want to help the poor. We call that in Christianity, we call that Christian charity. And over over time, you know, um, that sort of can, all those individuals collectively can actually change a culture and change society. But we want to do it because we're Christians in a way that doesn't require compulsion. See, compulsion is against Christianity. So some of the tension that you're you're running into there in the chat, I think, is a difference in worldviews. I do hope that helps you understand things. A yeah, little bit no, better. but yeah, we appreciate you, Juwan. I'm so glad that you're here. Definitely, 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 definitely appreciate you being being here. And yeah, all right. I think it is. It's time for us to sign off. Yeah, it, it's yes. It's been a long day, my friends. Yes. It has been, but it's been a good day. And so we are definitely glad for all the opportunities. So excited. Um, You know, I'll put the same the same note out or um, word out that we did at the conference this morning. Email us at ATT Livestream. So Apple Thomas Thomas Livestream 
at gmail.com if you are interested in having us do a, like a virtual conference for you. Um, email us some topics, things that you would be interested in. If we get enough responses, we'll definitely do another conference and put that out there for everyone. We had, I think, 100, 100 this morning. And so that was yeah. it was a good, good yeah. turnout and um, really fun time. All right. right. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care and God bless. Share the show. Bye. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week. Thank you.